The following podcast has adult themes, sexual content, and strong language, mostly because I have a potty mouth. Hi, I'm Adam, and this is Where Is My Nigerian Prince? Each episode, I tell the tale of my search for love, the highs, the lows, the utter embarrassments, and the hopefully funny side of single life today. I also fully intend to rope in some friends to tell their stories along the way, and maybe together we can soothe the dating wounds of the entire world. Episode 10, Run, My Forest Prince, Run. In this story I'm going to name some real people because they were important in my life and to this day I love them all, even through varying degrees of contact, but also because they were just innocent players in the events that unfolded on this hot Sydney night. In the summer of 1997 I was 20, fitter, thinner and better looking than I had ever been and I had absolutely no idea. I had close friends who knew who I was and I was living a fun exciting life in Sydney, but I was lonely. I had a great little apartment in a great location next door to my best friend that was cheap as chips and all I could see was its faults. My job was reliable and I was good at it. I had had a promotion and should have been proud of myself, but I wasn't. I was being creative, painting and riding almost every day, and I would ride my bike to work, which was 30 minutes uphill on the way there and 15 minutes downhill on the way home. I would then go and run laps around Rushcutters Bay Park for 60 minutes, followed by a further 30 minutes of rollerblading, and often I would get in some time to swim as well. But in my eyes, I was fat, and there was no changing that. Even though it was edged on two sides by overlooking apartment buildings, the park was beautiful, with just the right balance between nature and landscaping to sometimes make the city feel like it was a million miles away. I would begin my run across the road from my apartment, at the western and more built-up end of the park. Here, there was a cricket oval, which for those uneducated in the sport is basically a big green field, and an oval shape surrounded by a low white picket fence, and the game is played in the centre. So I would run along the left edge of the oval until I got to the old wooden spectator stand, after which I would take my first right to run past the tenants' courts. From here, I'd keep close to them until I was able to turn right again, now heading along the boundary of the park, which backed up to the sparkling Sydney Harbour, which provided a picturesque view of the water to my left and the playing fields to my right. Often full of couples on romantic picnics or sports people playing their games, the fields never failed to provide something to see and made me feel part of the thrilling city that was Sydney. After finally reaching the far end of the park, I would turn another ride and head back along the other side of the fields, where, to the left, sat a lovely cafe with people sitting and enjoying their cool summer drinks, watching as passers-by walk their dogs and took their exercise. I remember the people as being beautiful in equal proportions to how much I felt that I wasn't. And as I would run past, now starting to head back towards my home, I would always feel like the eye cast in my direction was one of judgment. Though, of course, few probably were. On this day, I stumbled a little as my foot slid on some leaves that had fallen on the path, and feeling even more like an uncoordinated fool, I barely noticed the handsome runner coming in the other direction. He was quickly gone from mind as I kept running, and I felt the sweat begin to dampen my brow as I completed my first lap. Rounding the tennis courts a second time, there he was, the handsome runner. This time, 
he caught my eye and smiled. I simply assumed it was one of those condescending, keep it up, fat boy, type interactions, so I pressed on, trying to increase and maintain my pace. This happened a couple more times as we passed each other, but eventually I didn't see him again. I remember feeling pride and accomplishment that I had run longer than that smarmy bastard. The next morning I was up early because my best friend from high school was visiting and I needed to meet her at the airport. Yes, her. I had moved to public school after John's death and my own brush with mortality, convincing my mother that I needed to change in order to get better. It was there that I made friends with Sarah, amongst others, and I loved her to bits because somehow she had begun to put me back together. Sarah greeted me with an exciting hug, yelping, Fuck! Look at you, Mr. Hottie. Having not seen me for so long that my fitness transformation was striking to her. I blushed and quickly batted away the compliment and we soon began to chat and laugh like no time had passed. Sarah was special. She was the first person who I ever told I was gay. And we had each other's backs. It was for this reason that I had planned a huge party for the night and I excitedly told her all about it as we jumped on the train and headed for home. Once there, and she was settled in, we were quickly on our way again to get some party supplies, which included some drinks, but was modest as we weren't rich. We then organised the furniture to make space for dancing, and made sure the stereo and CDs were all ready to go. With that done, the afternoon was upon us, so I made some sandwiches and we headed down to the park, where we found a bench to sit and chat whilst we ate our lunch. Sitting there we reminisced about old times and Sarah caught me up on what had gone on back home. With one of the boys getting into a drunken car accident and a girl knocked up, there was plenty of gossip to go around. When a quiet moment descended, it was quickly broken by Sarah giggling and drawing my attention to a couple a few hundred metres away who were getting into some very heavy petting. It was not long before it became clear that it wasn't just kisses and cuddles going on, they were sitting in such a position that they were in fact having sex, with strategic blankets and clothing placed just where necessary. If you glanced at them, you would see an amorous couple. But if you watched, you couldn't help but make out a rhythm that was unmistakable. I'd never have the guts to do that, Sarah whispered as she redirected her gaze towards the cricket oval. Me either, I said, with a weird sense of wishing I had someone who would want to anyway. We fell back into our inane chatter and Sarah brought my attention to a runner doing laps of the oval. Oh, he's a bit of all right, she said with a smile. I turned to look and saw the runner from yesterday and said, Oh, he's hot, but I think he's a bit of a douchebag. I then explained what had happened yesterday and Sarah was quick to my side. Well, fuck him then, she said as she turned properly and kneeled on the seat, looking right in his direction as his laps brought him close enough to be within earshot. Run, Forrest, run, she yelled scornfully at him, making us both burst into laughter and him miss his stride, almost tripping over. The next lap around he waved and said something neither of us made out and appeared to laugh, and Sarah did what she was good at, which was continue to play with him, impressed that her taunting had not made him slink away. Soon enough, he was over standing by us, chatting to Sarah and getting monosyllabic answers from me each time he tried to engage. He needn't have tried. Now the spell of assumption was broken, I started to notice just how sexy this man was. Late twenties, I guessed. Lovely, hairy chest and a strong, defined body with olive skin, blue eyes and dark hair. And his American accent made him seem all that much more intoxicating. 
Out of nowhere, he was invited to the party, and as he headed home to shower and soap up his sexy muscles and massage out his kinks, I can only imagine, Sarah congratulated herself on getting me a boyfriend. (laughs) I was shocked and insisted he liked her, and she quickly informed me that he only had eyes for me. In full denial, we argued the fact as we walked back to my place, and although I denied with all my energy that he could possibly be into me, and asserted that it was her who had done the flirting, and her who got his attention, Sarah maintained that as she had chatted with Mark, and I had sat in red-faced silence, he had made it very clear that he was gay, and visiting Sydney for Mardi Gras, and that he had seen me running and thought I was very cute. I amazed at how I had heard none of those things as a spark of hopeful romance lit in my heart. But I quickly tried to stomp it out with thoughts like, it's much better to not get your hopes up, and he's just looking for fun with friends. How could he ever be into you? All that said, as we both got back to the house, the party prep now turned into a frenzied few hours of choosing outfits and getting the gel in my hair to hold it just the right way. I wasn't a plucker, but I sure was a preener, so everything required Sarah's help, from the right shirt to the best cologne. Tonight was shaping up to be more than a party. And boy, it was indeed much more than that. It was going to be full of memories that all my friends talk of to this day. To be continued. This has been a production of Adam Wright. I hold the copyright to this material. A huge thanks to my talented niece Grace Beard for turning my poorly written music into the theme song of Where's My Nigerian Prince. Next time, I will be back with episode 11, the dramatic conclusion to Run My Forest Prince Run. Meanwhile, please send any feedback or comments or requests to Where's My Nigerian Prince on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail and Where'sMyNigerianPrince.com. Please spread the word. Oh, and don't forget the most important thing. Love yourself.